Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Hello and a very warm welcome as ever to this today's episode of the Luke and Pete show. I'm Luke Moore, as you guys will know by now, the boring one, the one that's not that fun to listen to, but hopefully we're going to change that today. The reason it's me um, hosting is because young Peter, little Donny, little Diggory Donaldson's gone off on his holiday. He's not sure where he's gone, hasn't told me. Um, but that is uh, that is the way he goes sometimes, and we'll hear all about it when he comes back, I'm sure. So for today and for Thursday, it's not going to be the Luke and Pete show. It's going to be the Luke and Jim show. Jim Campbell of the Football Ramble, of the YouTube channel We Like Old Adverts, of many other things, recently heard on an amazing episode of the book club on Football Ramble Presents. Jim Campbell, the most likable member of the original <laughs> Football Ramblers, Jim Campbell, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. That's a lovely intro. Thank sure. you very much. Also, I should point out, it's like, that still gives me a lot of room to be a, a, like a monster. Yeah, you like still be the nicest. Genuinely really bad person. But, yeah. um, but I appreciate that all the same. You're welcome, mate. And um, listen, I think when we first started doing Luke and Pete show all those years ago, it must be about 300 episodes or something now, mm. um, there was a lot of talk of when's Jim Campbell going to be on. And it's never quite worked out because um, more recently we've done it um, on Zoom, so it's easier to organise. And... Um, you know, we used to pre-record the shows so we could go away and all that kind of good stuff. Mm. But now it's happened. You're available. Let's be perfectly honest, Jim. You know, I don't want to do you down after such a positive intro, but you um, you do live down the road. I do live down the road. <laughs> yeah. And I've got nothing on. Like, nothing. <laughs> like, what have you been doing today? Uh, today, actually, I've had a fairly active morning. Uh, I've worked out... Um, because I've, I've been trying to get in shape like the last year or so. You've done really well, mate. But, thanks, man. You I, have. I lost a lot of weight and I uh, also... So, you know, in the gym, you've got those like magic robot weighing machines. Yeah. It, it, like I call them, where it works out your metabolic age. Yeah, right. What's I don't yours? know how it does that. Well, when I started, it was 47. Fucking hell. we can all agree. <laughs> it's not ideal. Because you're only 46. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 38 for context, yeah. but I've, yeah. I've managed to get that down to 33. That's brilliant. So I've lost 14 years. Do you know um, how it works? I have no idea. I assume it's something to do with bone density and water and... I, I think know, what happens that is... That sounds like a thing it might mean. You sta- they're just worse, though, aren't they? Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, stand in, you stand on it and um, you press the button and someone on the other side of the wall just types in two numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cash point. That's a little guy handing you the yeah, money. Yeah, giving you the money. So, joking aside, you've done brilliantly because, and I can say this as an old and good friend of yours and someone who's also been in the same boat, and some would argue is even in the same boat still now, you have been fat before. Yes. And now you're not. Yeah, and the, the thing is as well, because I, I'd always been fairly lucky with my metabolism up to a certain point where I'd like had a bit of a paunch, but it never got past that. And I just, basically, I hadn't realistically been in a gym at like, right. at like for any sort of regular amount of yeah. time to about a year ago. Um, but now, so like, if you have a bit of a bit of a cheeky week where you don't do much exercise and you, you drink a bit and you eat too much, like it doesn't really affect you. So mm. you go... 
Oh, well, uh, we'll might have another week. <laughs> so, I guess, so, yeah. so this is what I've been trying to arrest this morning because I've okay, had a, right. bit of a bit of a slack fortnight. So I'm trying to sort of get back on the. Okay, can be difficult. Lots of people, people fluctuate. I'll speak, I'll speak of someone who does that myself. So Luke and Pete show basically, Jim is is a, is an environment and an arena and a club where you can just we can just talk about whatever we want. We can just pull on the the threads of the universe and see, see where each one takes us. Jim for the mind. Basically, Jim for the mind, yeah, but I say all these grandiose things, and that's how, and how I sold it to Pete in my 18-month journey of trying to get him to do it, <laughs> and essentially, it just ends up descending on him, just wanting to talk about YouTube channels he's watched, yeah. and do maybe 20 minutes on magnet fishing, which you probably don't even know what it is, do no. you? Where people go with fishing with magnets like and get metal, metal detecting yeah. f- on a canal. Yeah, basically, example, yeah. Right. Um, or he's really obsessed with this thing called the lock-picking lawyer. <laughs> which is like a lawyer who's got a YouTube channel where he picks locks. Um, so it's it's kind of, it really is just Pete's indulging half an hour once a week. Yeah. Twice a week, sorry. Why is it that, I mean, this sounds like a perfectly reasonable conversation um, that you'd have with Pete, obviously having worked with him for a long time. And it went to the point where strangers would come up to me in the Edinburgh Festival, wouldn't even introduce themselves and go, is he really like that? Yeah. And I would immediately know what they mean. Yeah. We know him this well, and he won't tell us where he goes on holiday. No, I don't know He'll where he's going. He talks about magnet fishing, yeah, but it, any glimpse into who he actually is, no, not a chance. It's buried deep. It's mm. too deep. But you do get some gems out of Pete. I mean, regular listeners to this show will know that his dad, for example, keeps um, a necklace with a bone from his foot on it. Yeah. Um, and and uh, that he, Pete, eats, uh, used to eat sausages raw. Oh, my, my dad used to do that. So your dad's a character. Yeah. That's a great place to start, Jim. Let's yeah. bring, if you don't mind, let's bring your dad, who's very popular in, in the Stakhanov uh, universe. Mm. We've met him a few times, Ian. Lovely fella. But he's a character, your dad. He certainly is. And he's actually really similar to Pete's dad. They even look a little bit similar, they do. don't they? A lot of sort of similarities in sort of like eating raw sausages, mad things like that. So what did your dad eat raw sausages, do you think? Um, he just liked them. And um, what was that really bitter medicine as well? He used to just drink it. Like just, oh. I forget what it was. It was like a sort of almost like wait, I forget what it was called. It's almost like a really bitter, really inky black sort of like a cross between Calpo and Bovril sort of thing. Right. And he would just drink it for, just because he liked it. But yeah, he's um he's an interesting man. My daddy's a twin as well, so yeah. immediately they're they've got their own little language, haven't they? And they're a little bit. But have you witnessed unusual? That? Have I I've witnessed my dad mistake uh, a video of my uncle for himself. That's how. <laughs> That's how similar they look. Like they still look similar now. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. They've, they've they've gone to the effort of having the same haircut and beard and clothes and stuff. Well, they've gone to the eff- the non-effort of not shaving and not having a defined haircut, really. <laughs> so yeah, they, they they you know basically I think my mum buys my dad's clothes and I would think he's, he's called Bob as well Bob's my uncle yeah. married to my giddy aunt yeah um, and, and they're they're builders as well so Bob the builder is is they're a fascinating collection of men. Um, so my dad, he, he always used to, you know, a certain type of guy when they get older, they, their world gets smaller and mm. they want to sort of just basically live in their house. And that's, yeah, that. I like, think that's every dad. I think it is every dad, but I think my dad, because he was a twin and because he worked with, um, other family members, my nan had nine kids. And so like right. my, my, my aunt's husband, now my uncle worked with them as well. So it was, they basically kind of went outside as a family every time they were, were left the house. It right. was it, almost in a, in a little gang. Yeah. And so it was a very tight-knit, close circle Were they a friends. feared gang? I don't know. I mean, my dad gives <laughs> the impression that they were, but like dad's like, dad, dad always says that he used to run with the gangsters. And it's like, I think you just used to bore them in the pubs that they were in. <laughs> run but with his, them? His mates. His mates have got the best names. There's Bob the Bottle. Yeah. Uh, alcoholic, obviously. <laughs> 
Um, cannot understand him. He's an amazing bloke, though. Buddha, fat and bald, obviously. That one's fairly straightforward. But my yeah. favourite one is Nut Nut, who was uh, a, a bald and I think alopecia level bald paratrooper. So I think the first nut is about his hair. The second one is possibly about PTSD. Right. But it's all like... <laughs> oh, my God. It is all... It's just all very, very East End. And, where, do, um, where, does, where does Hated Martin come in? Hated Martin was a guy who went to a pub that I used to drink in a lot because I spent a lot of my time when I was younger in Romford, which is a sort of absolute nickname hotbed. There, quite a, there was Keith the Fish was another yeah. one in that pub. He had a little skullet. And a one little pirate earring, and he was quite—he was about five foot five. Always wore double denim, and you would think Keith the fish. You think is it because he like makes people sleep with the fishes? Or drinks some, like a fish. Drinks like a fish. No, it was because he would only ever spoke about what he'd had for dinner, and it was only ever fish. We had we had in the pub called the Seahorse near where I grew up, our local pub. There was a guy in there who looked exactly like. Um, do you remember the character Sex Machine from From Dust Till Dawn? No, I can't say I've seen if, that movie. Okay, so basically, it's a mad. Tarantino's involved Robert Rodriguez um, it's a 90s movie it's, people should watch it it's really good and it goes off on a mad tangent yeah. I know that, people that's know that, the right. thing okay. yeah, yeah. so in, in, in one of the bars there's a guy called Sex Machine who um, who when people kind of step to him in the bar he's got like a moustache he's got a mother but he, he looks down and that and his leather trousers, he's got like a pouch and it flips open and it's a gun and two barrels. So it looks like a cock and balls, but it's a gun and two barrels, right? And yeah. he's an iconic character in where I grew up because there was a guy who used to sit at the bar at the Seahorse caught that he looked exactly like Sex Machine to the point, point of where... Yeah, it was, but to the point of where when you've had a few beers and you're like 19, you would be like, all right, Sex Machine. And obviously he thought, oh, what, what a great nickname. Yeah, yeah. But where have I got that from? But I'm sticking with that. And he would respond to it. But I'm fairly certain he'd never seen the movie, had no idea what it was all about. But he, what he knew was a lot of young bucks were calling this guy who was about 50 Sex Machine, yeah. and he was just loving it. It's funny, isn't it, that, those, that, that it's quite a unique point in your life when you've just started getting into pubs. And yeah. just, particularly, I think, you know, where you grew up and where I grew up are have parallels in that yeah. you would go to, like, two or three pubs. Yeah. And, like, so you'd have the, the characters in there and you'd have yeah. the faces in there. And, like, the relationship you have with those guys, where you are, like, in some cases, you're not even 18. You, yeah. You're sneaking in. And you get to know all these people that are, like, 40. And yeah. you sat at the yeah. bar. Yeah. And, like, part of you thinks, like, oh, I wish I... I hope I'm as cool as him when I'm 40. <laughs> <laughs> like, still living the life. Can I just say, I am 40 and I'm not as cool as them. But, you know, another great example of that is in the same pub, my friend Lewis. Uh, everyone called him Lou, L-E-W. And... um we, there would be like a blackboard where you put with your name there if you wanted to play Paul. And he would always put Lou, mm. but people misread it and they would call him Len. And he kept going to the pub and people kind of liked him and he was, and it just went too far. Yeah. So everyone knew him as Len. And it got, to, and this was in about 1999. And it got to the point about three years ago where we went into that pub and they were still calling him Len. Oh, in no. So it can go wrong, mate. It can go wrong. Is your, your dad a boozer then? Does he like going to the pub? Oh, he, he loves it. He actually met my mum in a pub. Um, right. She worked behind the bar, and he said to I th- he said to one of my uncles, "I'm going to marry that girl." Before he even spoke to her, so did he say that though, or is he just claiming that, backfilling it now? Uh, I don't know. Um, Do you believe it? Based on my memory which I could have inherited from him. It's, it's, it's actually a possibility. It's not true. But I do believe him, actually. Yeah. He's always been... They're, they're um, very, very... They're still really in love, my parents, which is a really lovely thing That's to so see. Cute. Like, yeah, being yeah. back at home, like, when my brother and I come and visit for whatever reason, like, on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, if you stayed over, they're just really happy. Yeah. And it's just a really, really lovely thing. And obviously, we, we live in a world where we see a lot of, you know, a lot of divorces and a lot of, of kind of emotional turmoil that happens to people when people go through. And I, I feel very grateful that um, I've... Um, grown up in an environment that has um, 
that was really stable and has for some reason left me incapable of forming functioning <laughs> relationships myself. Because you were never looked up why. to it. Don't know why. Why. <laughs> well, I've got a few pointers here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, I was going to say to you that, um, you know, that I think I'm right in saying that the marriage success level now is higher than it's ever been. Is that right? Yeah, and you wouldn't expect it. It's quite counterintuitive, but I think it's because people meet and settle down a lot older now. Yes. So they're much more settled in who they are. Yeah. Which, I don't know about your parents, but my parents, they're still together. My parents married, I think, when they were 19. Wow. She's very young, right? Well, that's, that's what used to happen, isn't it? I, I think my parents were a little bit older than that, but it wouldn't have been by that much because you would meet and then, like, I don't know, you'd... You'd go, oh, do you want to dance? And then you were engaged, as I understand it. <laughs> yeah. And then later that night, whichever parents set of parents' house was closer to, yeah. you know, closest, you'd, you'd then move in with them. Yeah. And then the next day, yeah. you'd have the Family. stag and the hen, <laughs> and you'd, get, you'd drink as much as was, was possible. Yeah. And then the day after that, you'd get married. And then the day after that, you'd have two kids in school. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I've got friends now who I went to school with, I don't see that much anymore, but they've got kids who have just done their GCSEs. Yeah. Wow. Are they even called that now? Don't know. Yeah. Don't know. How did you do in your GCSEs? Uh, I scraped by the minimum of what I needed. I very much sort of lost interest in uh, in school at, like, the worst time. I became, like, the the, the most pig-headed, cynical teenager at, like, just too early. If yeah. it had happened, like, a year later, I would have got much better grades. Um, is that, but, has that ruined your life? Is that uh, what you sat here? Well, I th- I think it may be. Well, I don't know because I went to I, I got into the college I wanted to go to anyway. I studied media studies, then I went off and uh, did a few degrees. One of which was at Farnborough Town, where I met uh, yeah. a couple of people that I later later on went to do a podcast with. Now you may know it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so actually, it all, it works out, doesn't it? Yeah. I remember I remember seeing on the Farnborough College of Technology um, Wikipedia page that me, you, and Marcus are on the list of notable alumni. Is that right? That's how bad that college yeah, is. I didn't even graduate. Yeah. Does that mean, I, does that count? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I guess I think you're on it. I haven't checked, but I, I haven't checked recently, but I'm pretty sure you're on it. You definitely attended it though for yeah. a bit. And Pete was disgusted, like one, because he wasn't on it, because he didn't go there, and two, because he, he's disgusted by any notion of success. Yeah. I mean, Pete failed his degree, didn't he, because of uh, library, fines. library fines, yeah. which must be... Gigantic now. Maybe that's why he put his football rambo expenses in later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. three thousand pounds or something, wasn't it? I got, I, actually, I've just guessed that. I don't know how much it was, but he put it in after about five years. But um, when I when I knew that you were going to come on the show, Jim, I thought, um, what's the best way of asking or prepping you for it? And I just wrote in our shared running order. And congratulations, by the way, because you've logged into that now officially more than yeah, Pete has, which is something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because you've logged into it once. Um, I put, what are the three highlights of your childhood? Did you answer that question? Um, I've had a little think about it. Yeah, it's, it's surprisingly difficult because I've, you've put your own examples there. Do you want me to tell you mine while yeah, you're you just t- preparing? You say yeah, yours so and I'll get Mine are um, when Hot Rod turned into Rodimus Prime in Transformers. See, Transformers the movie is that, right? Yeah. Because that was a big deal, actually. No, uh, was that Transformers? Now you're asking. That was, do you mean the animated movie um, yeah, yeah. narrated by Leonard Nimoy? Yes. Yeah. And isn't it Orson Welles' last role? It might be Orson Welles' plays. Unicron. Pro- oh, Unicron. Okay, my my memory on it is sketchy. Yeah. This is the thing. See, Pete and I talk about this a fair amount on the show. So, apparently, a good percentage of your childhood memories are wrong, or didn't happen, or the things that did happen you don't remember. Mm. So it's very notoriously unreliable, right? Yeah. Well, so, in fact, every time you have a memory, isn't it the case that you're effectively rebuilding it and you're retelling the story? To so, the more you think about something, actually, the more unreliable you're likely to make it. Yeah. So, so when that's a really interesting point because when I watched that Netflix documentary series about the disappearance of Madeleine McCann, have you seen that? I saw a bit of it. Okay. So, there's a bit where 
a really interesting bit where the detective assigned to the case says a lot was made in the media about the differing stories between the couples who were eating dinner while Madeleine McCann was taken. Mm. And he said, the media picked up and said, well, the stories were all different. They're all wrong. So obviously there's something dodgy there. And he said, no, no, no. When you're a detective, it's exactly what you're expecting. Yeah. If the stories are all exactly the same, then there's something wrong. Because that never fucking happens in real mm. life. People remember things differently. And as you say, tell themselves their own stories. So I'm... When we get beyond scratching the surface of these memories here, I'm, I'm in trouble. So Rodimus Prime, big moment for me. I say that, though. It's the first thing I thought of when I thought to myself, what, the three highlights of my childhood? I still can't remember the details of it. <laughs> the second one, and this is another one, because the second one was when I went in goal for the second half of Gospel Vikings and only considered one goal when the keeper in the first half had already considered six and we lost 7-0. Heroic. Yeah, but the problem with that is manifold. One is that at, at nine years old, uh, so I just joined the team and they, and I said for some reason I wanted to be a goalkeeper and they put me on at half time and we were playing full size pitch of course you were. at nine years old. Ridiculous. And I wonder now whether my memory's playing tricks on me and whether I actually conceded the six and got subbed off for someone else who came on and did well. Could be possible. Well, it could just be that for whatever reason in the second half your team picked it up and you didn't face as many shots as you might think but in yeah. your head it's like, well, I only let one in. But I definitely only played a half. Yeah which is weird. And weird. the third one, there's a place, there's a little walking bit near where I grew up called Monk's Walk, right? And it was, it's called that because there was a tunnel um, from the church, I think a monastery or something, through to another part of the, the town. And so they, but it got paved over or, or developed or something. And then they, they put a lot of greenery in there and it's called Monk's Walk and it's just trees and fun bits. And, but it was an army training center, right? Um, run by a guy called Don Styler, right? You can imagine the guy. What you're thinking about the guy called Don Styler in an army assault course, he was exactly like that. Yeah. And I don't think he was supposed to, and I don't think he was allowed to. And it's only ever happened once. But he let me and my three mates, we were all about 12, do the assault course for free on our own. And it was fucking amazing. And every time we went back afterwards, the gates would always be closed. He'd never be there. And we never got on there again. And none of our mates Did believed us. see him again? Don't think so. Maybe no. got fired. Yeah. He looked like the kind of guy that would tell everyone in the pub that he was in the SAS. Yeah, oh God, yeah. Oh, he might have been. I mean, he might have been. But anyway, it, it never happened again. But it was just such an amazing moment. And, and, and one of the things I remember thinking a few years later is that had I known this was never going to happen again, I would have really consciously tried to like, enjoy it more. Yeah. It was like a proper Krypton Factor assault course. With like zip lines. And... Zip line at the end. Gotta love a zip line. Had an amazing like weird box, which is pitch black, that you had to find your way through, crawling through. Which I would never I do now. Like that. Awful, yeah. But it was, it was it was amazing. So they're my three. So you, what have you got for yours? Well, one of mine would be. It's I don't know how many times I would have gone to this place, but um, there was a, a huge water park off a motorway in somewhere like Dartford called Fantasies. Um, that sounds weird. It does sound weird, and it was weird. But it was you know it's it's a water park in England, like. Yeah, you're not going to get that now unless you like go on holiday to like a Canary Island or something like that. Rom- I don't well, think Romsey, any of them exist. Romsey they? Rapids is that is that in a place? Romsey in Hampshire, and there was also the pyramids in Portsmouth. I don't know if they're still there now. Well, though. this is it. I don't. There was uh, there were rumours that it closed down because people kept putting razor blades in the slide. Oh, we had that rumour yeah. as well. That can't ever have been true, right? That can't no. ever have happened. No, you wouldn't have thought so because how are they going to get them in there? Exactly. How are they going to fix them in? Yeah, you're going to have to stop in. Yeah. You'd have to stop in a water chute. You'd have to like, I don't know, how would you do that? Like plant your feet, put your, put one of your hands up on the top, pull a razor blade out of your swimming trunks and then somehow fix it. 
yeah. to like to the, the the little bits between each bit of tube. It's just not going to work, is it? It's not. It's presumably and multiple ones as well. Yeah, it, I mean. Presumably, running a water park in a country that has three months of summer is quite expensive. <laughs> you are, yeah. And, and more likely Maybe, to be... That's why they can't afford security. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, you, you can imagine a kid... Who's done this? It's an yeah. adult, presumably. Yeah. They've got trunks on, because it would have been the 80s or the early 90s. They're running up the steps to go to the top of the water slide with razor blades in their trunks, and they look down and just bleeding everywhere. Yeah. It's not going to work. No, it's not going to work. How would they fix them to the tube? I'm just... Yeah, I mean, you'd have to bring some sort of, like, t- like sticky putty sort of thing. Yeah, your dad know. would have some. Yeah, he would absolutely have mastic, maybe. But mastic. that comes in a big tube. Yeah. There's you can't yeah. stick that down your trunk. That's a bad look. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, these, they were great. I love a water park, even though I actually went to, I went to Gran Canaria in January, just before the pandemic. I felt really, really lucky. For, the, for my first family holiday abroad since 1989. Where'd you go in 89? Um, we went to Tenerife. Okay. So it was like <laughs> very, because uh, it was like the extended family going together. And yeah. uh, there was a water park there, and it was, uh, it was January, so there was basically nobody there. And it was, it was just the best. It was like being yeah. a kid again. It was just yeah. amazing. But that, I remember that so, so fondly. Like, I would look forward to it all summer and it was yeah. one of those things where well, you, you just got go there. for a day yeah it was yeah. just like a day out at a water park and yeah. it might not seem like the biggest thing but when you're a kid oh, it's amazing. You, you have so few worries in your life yeah that something like that is, is genuinely mind-blowing Portsmouth so pyramids mate Portsmouth pyramids had um was amazing for several reasons exactly the reason you're, you're suggesting it had a wave machine yeah but it also had uh I remember loving the fact that it had a proper 90s big screen, which was just loads of TV stuck together. Nice. And it used to play MTV the whole time oh. you were there. And you're like, fucking hell, MTV's on. Back when it had music on it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> what else you got? So another one, actually, I don't know if you'll allow this, because I might have been a teenager, but I would have only just been a teenager. Well, I'm very unsure of the rules, because if I asked Pete to do this, he just wouldn't do it. Yes. So I don't know what the rules are, so I'm sure you can probably have it. So... This is going to be, it's going to sound so cliched, and it is, but I genuinely remember where I was, even what I was wearing when I first heard Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana on MTV. Wow. And like, it was one of those properly like transformative moments where you hear a song and you go, oh my God. God, what is this? This like this speaks to me. This yeah. I'm a man. Well, now. you actually remember that? Yeah, yeah. I was. I remember what I was wearing. I, it was the summer, so I didn't have a top on. I was wearing a pair of blue Nike uh, tracksuit bottoms. I think that was it. How old were you? I I don't know. So Kurt Cobain was definitely dead. Yeah. So I think it might have been 1995. Okay. Um, he died in April '94. He did. Yeah. So yeah. he wasn't long dead, but dead he yeah. was. I remember the Sun's headline: um, Nirvana's Kurt blows brains out. No, myself and my typical friend. sensitivity. Yeah. Yeah. Laugh about that all the um, time. But Jim, Jim, so how do you have such a specific memory of such a specific, specific incident? I really don't know. I think it was genuinely because like, I really like I, I loved music but like you know my, my parents would play us like Michael Jackson when we were younger yeah um, you know unbeknown to what was going on um, would your dad still play Michael Jackson now do you think he would not no okay right he, he used to he a line it, has been crossed it has he'd put it he'd play it on his record comp- on his record player and he'd stand by it the whole time I don't really know why yeah and he also he had a, a Technics record player and he insists to this day that that is the best brand of hi-fi or any sort of stereo equipment you can buy because when he bought that in the 80s, the guy in the shop said it was. Yeah. That's like a dad thing as well. Cling on to. Well, he's thinking I've had nothing that's made me think differently. So why would I think differently? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah I, I think it's just because music's a powerful thing when you're a teenager isn't it yeah. so, I think your brain is wired differently like there's no it's very rare now that I hear, hear a 
band or an album that excites me in the same way where you like put it on three times in a row in a day like it does happen yeah but not as often and not at the same intensity but that like i remember just it, they seem like the perfect band yeah well, I mean? yeah absolutely when, when i was a kid i i me and my friends got into nirvana through the mtv unplugged new york record yes because i was a bit younger i was only 13 when kirk Cobain died and i wasn't that cool i think i was mm. listening to well I'd, I'd have been older than you yes yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, no. yeah you'd been younger than me you're younger than me. I'm trying to figure out when when I would have heard this, but I, I, I'm not going to do that, am I? So it's, <laughs> it's a pointless line <laughs> yeah. of inquiry. Yeah. What day would that have been? Get that detector from the man of McCarthy. Um, and uh, that's how we got into it. Then we kind of worked back from there. And I, I think I think there's a lot of backfilling of a narrative that goes on when people um, go, "Oh yeah, you know, I always loved uh, always loved Nirvana," you know, and and, and obviously they became mu- they became much bigger after Kurt Cobain died. But yeah. the only band I can really remember that properly changed things for me was probably The Strokes. And mm. I was 20 then. Yeah, I, The Strokes was interesting though, wasn't it? Because they, I mean, I love that album. I like The Strokes, but they're, they're not a band who are right up there in terms of my all-time greats. But they saved music. Yeah, so you know I mean? It was, it was like, so different. Everything was like Limp Bizkit and like it was, it had like, because basically grunge and Britpop had subsided, um, new metal had come along. And even that had started to go. Like, there's a couple of bands, like Deftones, maybe that emerge with a bit of credibility from that from that genre, but yeah. not many. Like, yeah, it I, was I a remember, real low point for like, kind I, of youth ab- culture. Absolutely, and I remember I remember being feeling really sorry for the band My Vitriol. Yeah, who were quite good. Yeah, but as soon as their album actually finally came out, it sounded completely obsolete straight away because yeah. um, because of the Strokes yeah. just ruined it. What's, I, your, what's your third one, by the way? My third one, I think, might. Be when I was at my friend Kieran's house and um, he had an NES, nice, and it was my first proper experience like post Spectrum. We had a Spectrum at home, yeah. but it was you know they were they were very difficult. Does your dad still think the Spectrum is the best game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've not heard otherwise. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah. so uh, yeah, that. What again, are you playing? Duck Hunt. Uh, it was Duck Hunt and the first Mario game, first Classic. Mario. So like, um, th- th- this will sound so like weird and hard to fathom for younger listeners I would think but actually playing a computer game system where it it just responded to what you were doing with the controller like properly and yeah. consistently was was mad and I remember saying to my mum on the way home yeah we need to get one of those like, like what did she say it's, she just that. laughed at me yeah. I was so young but yeah. I, I, I'm really conscious now it's probably one of those things where you know when, when a child says something in the tone of an adult because yeah. they're trying to sound grown up and get what they want I think I was probably doing that but yeah it just um, it's so clear like just just lose like the time flew by. You know, when you're over at your mates when you're a kid and you've yeah. probably got, what, four or five hours before your mum comes and picks you up yeah. and you've got to go home, probably even less than that. Yeah. It just it just went by in 10 minutes because we're yeah. just trying to make this little Italian plumber smash <laughs> loads of coins out of some bricks. <laughs> I also love that Mario is a sort of, is a Japanese interpretation of Italian plumbing. Like, why yeah. is that the most successful games franchise of all time? Yes, yeah, and, and people always talk on this show about... Um, this this rip off show a version of that game called the Gianni Sisters, which someone just made, <laughs> and like and back in when game development I guess was like the Wild West, yeah, and you could play Gianni Sisters on like the Spectrum or something. I can't remember exactly what concert it was, but anyway, look, let's take a quick break because we're way over time because I'm so interested in what you've got to say, Jim. Um, it's the first time I said it. that to you. Uh, and uh, when we come back, we'll do some emails. Um, hello at LukeandPeteShow dot com is the email address if you want to email in on anything you've heard so far today. Uh, and we'll be back a little bit later after this. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Luke and Pete show with me, Luke Moore and him, Jim Campbell stepping in Hello. for um, Pete Donaldson, who's gone on holiday, but won't tell us where he is. Um, I'm sure he'll solve that mystery um, next week. Um, Jim, as I said before the break, the email address is hello at lukeandpetesshow.com. Mm. Do you want to start with the emails or do you want me to start, mate? You want to go straight in two-footed or do you want me to start off for you? Uh, well, I mean, what are you more comfortable with? What do, what do you want to do? It's your, um, it's your house, mate. Well, I'm the guest here. You want to do one about a man who's in love with his PE teacher, I right? I do, actually, yeah. yeah so and, shall I just dive right into Yeah, that? go for it, yeah. Hi, Luke and Pete. Sorry to disappoint you, mate. Uh, <laughs> my partner showed me your podcast late last January, and after deciding that this would be my first and favourite podcast to enjoy, I had to go back to episode one in order to catch up with all of the fun I had missed out on. After having a small break due to becoming a father, congratulations, I'm now only just a couple of shows behind, so I thought I'd earned the right to finally email in. If that doesn't quite cut it, then I'm hoping that being a Pompey resident also swings in my favour. In your episode, A Munch of Dog Food, you briefly discuss Luke's <laughs> old school PE teacher playing for the local Gosport football team where students would go to regularly watch games. Well, I think I have a claim that slightly tops this. I attended secondary school in the small city of Chichester, where a Mr. Thomas was my PE teacher every other week for all five years I was there. He was a brilliant, rather laid-back teacher and was also the manager of the school's football team, which I was part of for a year or two. Having had numerous conversations with Mr. Thomas throughout my years at school, it was not until I was in year 10 that I learned of his true legendary status. This was when another student brought in the clipping of a newspaper article about him and his previous achievements. Mr. Thomas was in fact no other than the England capped professional footballer David Thomas. Mr Thomas also had a professional club career spanning over 20 years, seeing him play for teams such as QPR, Everton, Wolves, Vancouver Whitecaps, they always get in there, didn't they? Yeah. And Portsmouth. I was absolutely gobsmacked to hear of his past and couldn't believe that someone who had achieved so much throughout a professional football career hadn't mentioned it once to his students. When I asked him about his secret past, he was more than happy to talk about his career when asked, but was rather humble in doing so and never wanted to show off his achievements by announcing them to every class he taught. Mug. Absolute yeah, mug. Indeed. Why do it? What's, why even do it? You cancelled it, basically. Yeah. Needless to say, I wanted to be his 
best friend after this discovery. <laughs> I regularly invited him to come watch my weekend matches playing for my local Saturday League team, as well as continuously asking him for pointers ahead of upcoming trials I had for two professional clubs, which he doesn't mention, like, hypocritically. He doesn't say who they are. Yeah. Um, I can only assume that I came on a little bit too strong. Sadly, Mr. Thomas didn't come to any of my games. He just wants to go home after work yeah, and just he enjoy does. himself. Yeah. yeah, he just wants to get on with his life, and maybe yeah. not suspiciously hang out, hang out with a 14-year-old on the weekends. <laughs> I was also subsequently dropped from his school team after some time in order to make way for some new older sixth form students. I'm still a little bit salty about this to date, but as an adult myself now, I can understand why someone in his shoes may wish to put a little bit of distance between themselves and an over-friendly student such as my 14-year-old self. Having searched the net today, it appears that Mr. Thomas has sadly lost his sight, but has oh, published a book which demonstrates his continued good nature by donating all proceeds to the Guide Dogs charity. Oh. Good egg. Just another reason why he was my favourite PE teacher, as opposed to Mr. Davis, who on numerous occasions threw rugby balls directly at my face for talking whilst he took the register and thought that the letter S from my surname stood for shit face. <laughs> Hope you enjoy the read and we'd be interested to hear whether anybody else is being taught by noteworthy individuals. All the best, Mike. I love an email which has got a call to arms at the end. So hello yes. at lukeandpeach.com if you've been taught by someone of note. Uh, and Mr. Davis sounds like much more similar to my... PE teaching experience. Yeah. Although the guy who taught us and played for Gospel Borough was uh, was a good, a good guy. But the thing about Mr. Thomas is that, I mean, I don't want to cast aspersions over the guy. I'm very sad to hear that he's lost his sight. And I've, I looked him up um, earlier and he had, he had a great career. He played for England se- uh, eight times in the 70s. Amazing effort. But I, th- I think it's probably fair to say that he was a, probably a man's man, right? Yeah. He's now 69 years old, played football through the 60s and 70s and, and, and a portion of the 80s. He probably doesn't want anyone in his grill. No. That 14-year-old just talking back all the time. He wants a 14-year-old student to be seen and not heard. I'm mm-hmm. not coming to your fucking games after class. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Just forget it. But I'm he's not, too silent to say it. I'm not teaching you because I'm, I'm, te- I'm literally <laughs> teaching you. Yeah. Like, don't ask me to do extra teaching. No. Just listen to the teaching I'm doing I don't now. even want to be doing this. But I played a football in an era where I didn't earn any money. So I have to do it. Yeah. But apparently his transfer in October 72 from Burnley to QPR um, was in a record for a second division club. £165,000. I'd not really heard of Dave Thomas before, I have to say, yeah. before my time. But amazing that uh, you were taught by him, Mike. Good for you. I'm actually glad for Mike, though, that he wasn't the sort of person that would go around doing that. Yeah. Like just stretching, going, oh, 165 grand, this is worth <laughs> these lunges. <laughs> yeah. Come on, you know, slugs. They would be these days. Do you, you have any good teachers? I did. There was a guy called Mr. Stone who was, uh, he was ruthless he sounds hard he, he was hard he was this uh, he was a welshman and he uh, he made a point of keeping his accent it was a really really thick accent he was an english teacher and he would sometimes stop the lesson if if he asked a question and, and a debate started he kind he would stop the lesson and let the debate carry on so basically we would learn debating skills because we didn't do stuff like that in my school we did very much the set menu yeah, of course, of yeah. curriculum that you're allowed to if you want to run a school yeah. um, and he was really strict to the point where my my friend and i used to joke that like even as adults like if he gave us a morning run now, like I'd I'd be there in the morning. I'd be right. at the school running around the field because I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of him. Yeah. But he was a brilliant teacher and he really genuinely encouraged me quite a lot, yeah. which was in stark contrast, actually, um, to another teacher called Miss Davis. So English was always sort of my, my favourite lesson and my, my my kind of skill, but I was quite uh, I was quite quiet in a lot of lessons. So some teachers would sort of just, just miss me a little bit almost. Mm. So we had a lesson once. And I am going to go all partridge about this because I'm still <laughs> bitter about it. Where we had to write a blurb for a book that we were studying at the time. And I wrote this blurb 
And um, that's a bit on the back of the book. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Miss um, Davis like asked me to stay back after the lesson and said, uh, "Did your dad help you write this?" And yeah. like, I just written it. I just done a good piece of work. So you haven't met and, my like, dad. Yeah, you have not met my dad. No, he was. He well, was... did you write it about Technics High Five? <laughs> yeah, all, all in capitals. Yeah. yeah, and it was. I was just like, how dare you i was so so angry about it and i still am i mean i'm a published author with you yeah <laughs> i've got a tattoo of our isbn number <laughs> what did you do um, what did you do at the time i was just i don't i can't remember to be honest I, I would, any any memory i have i would be creating now going back to what we were yeah. saying back yeah. but mr stone was the opposite of that and he yeah. really encouraged me so yeah he, he sort of undid that and i'll be forever oh, yeah. grateful for that did your dad write it <laughs> he didn't. I might set him the challenge though. Actually, yeah, you should. Be interested. In I remember. It. I remember once um, people did you, at your school were people really into. I mean, based on what you said, and I was similar to you, so it, wasn't, it didn't affect me directly. But were, were people around you massively obsessed with their A levels because they wanted to go to university? I don't remember because my school we left at sixteen and went yeah, to same. A separate college. Yeah, same. So, separate one. I can't remember that many people being like that actually because the funny thing, isn't it? I think there's a there's a sort of class divide. I think you and I grew up working class and are now middle class. I think that's fair to say. Or sort of impossible to not deny, really, isn't it? Upper middle. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but so, and is Marcus now the opposite? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Yeah. We've dragged him down to our yeah, level. Yeah. But so I have friends who went to, um, who went to proper boarding schools. And yeah, at, okay. at the time, you, you and I would have thought that they were like, almost like the softies from the Beano. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, saps, yeah. But their experience is so much harsher. Yeah, of course. So, so much worse. Yeah, I'd hate that. I, would, oh, I, I remember struggling quite badly for the first couple of weeks to adjust to university. And I've been like 19. Yeah. Yeah. So but, some kids go away to boarding school at eight, don't they? I don't, I don't even know that's still legal now, but they used to. Yeah, I mean, a friend of mine, a comedian called Tom Horton, he's done a lot of really good stand-up shows about exactly this. He, um, he was telling me about some kid who was was tied to the lamppost on the entrance to the school on some sort of parents' day, so his parents would see him oh my God. Like, stricken. Yeah. Like it, was, it was all like complete psychological terror, as well as all of the physical, physical stuff. But what fascinates me about that is that they all loved the school. Yeah, do you know what I mean they were all like really like passionate trying about to it, yeah. achieve yeah, yeah. highly and do well for the school? But yeah. for me, I, I never had any of that sort of pride, and I think I was such a little self-absorbed dickhead. Yeah. Like I was going to be in a band, right? So yeah, like, it didn't really matter. I'd, I'd, I'd go to college, yeah, but you know, I'd just, you know, band, I'd just yeah. kill a bit of time while I'm while I'm in the band. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Speaking of boarding school, I've got a friend who will remain lameless. He's still a good friend to me, although he lives in the US now, and um, he went to a good boarding school, but he went on a scholarship, right? And um, and I think he, uh, whatever the version of the scholarship is for, for, for boarding school, but his parents weren't wealthy or anything. Uh, but he was sent away to it for high school. So it would have been from 11 years old through to whatever. And um, I worked with him for a few years and he became quite a good friend of mine. And uh, a couple of his pals visited London and we all went out for some drinks like a load of us. And um, one of his friends was from boarding school, right? And we, and we were just chatting about it. And I used to take the piss out of him sometimes for going to boarding school just because he obviously boring, but you know, just have a laugh, yeah. laugh at work or whatever. And he'd tell the piss out of me for being poor or whatever. Yeah, that kind of stupid shit. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember in the pub after a few beers, I kept get to the piss out of him for his boarding school as a joke. And his mate from the boarding school like tapped me on the shoulder and went, no, no, oi, don't, don't say that. He's seen things. <laughs> Yeah. He's seen things. That's all he would say. Yeah. And I was like, fucking hell, I, I had no idea. I had no idea what he meant. It wasn't referenced again. Didn't reference it to my mate because, um, you know, didn't want to. Didn't want to rake up old graves. And uh, yeah, it never kind of happened again. So that is that what goes on at boarding schools? Oh, the stuff that goes on in boarding schools that I, I've, I've heard about from a couple of my friends is like, it, it is years and years of psychological torture. 
Jesus. Like where it not is. always, not for everyone. No, no, no. Well, I think everyone has to exist within that ecosystem, though, don't they? And obviously, that's the worst case scenario. If you, for whatever reason, for whatever unfortunate reason, um, end up at the bottom of the pecking order. But they were telling me about a thing. I think they call it hazing, or that might just that's be what it's a, called in the US for sure. They they have this thing or this version of it where if there's a first year or a new kid who's they see them as being a little bit above their station or being a little bit cocky, what they do is they do nothing. And then they spend months and months researching this kid and then they'll bundle him into a form room. All of the kids that want to take part in this will stand in a circle. They're not allowed to touch the kid, um, but they will fling insults at him and it's not over until he's crying. Oh my God. So they were just, if they're there for two hours, it'll that's be That's what we like, did with Ramble, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the initiation. So we got uh, yeah. Vish and Jules and Kate and exactly. Andy and yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they wouldn't break. I would Who cried thought it would be us crying? I'd have cried about 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I was, I'd, I'd be crying while doing it. Yeah. I but, would never do it. But it, it's that they'll find, like, they'll find out about, like, sick relatives or, like, oh, that's you know, like, like really genuinely that's awful bad. stuff. Where'd you yeah. hear about that? Uh, just from, my, from my posho friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you know you're middle class now, because you've got yeah. posho friends. You know, um, I've got a friend called my mate George. He's a bit older than us. And he went to boarding school on the Isle of Man. And, um, and he's, he maintains that one night him and his pals broke into one of the school teachers' offices or rooms or whatever. Because the school teachers like lived there and stuff. Mm. And then stole a bottle of whiskey. And, he, and they were about 15 or 16. And he got dared by his mates to down the whole bottle of whiskey. And the next day, uh, he did it. The next day when he went into an exam, <clears throat> he suddenly realised he'd completely forgotten Latin. And that's what he says <laughs> as a story that actually happened. He failed the exam because he, it basically Got wiped part of, of his brain that learnt Latin. That's amazing. Yeah. So by contrast, my dad tells a story about um, how he was, this can't be true, but then the pastor was brutal, so maybe it was. He says that him and his classmates were caned every day after school, <laughs> literally every day, because as a prank, someone put a bucket on a, on a sort of half open door with a brick in it so when the teacher walked in it brained him which obviously it did like it landed on his head fucked him up because it's a brick. brick in a bucket yeah. and still nobody would, would confess nobody would grasp so they all got caned after, les- after lessons every day so the teachers are thinking we'll break one of them one yeah. of them will grasp and no one did apparently, apparently does the not. teacher still turn up at his house now and like cane him every day <laughs> at the end of the day you come back what are you doing dad well it's a long story yeah, yeah. that's amazing well, listen if you've got any stories about boarding school or braining teachers with a brick hopefully not uh, or anything like that it's hello at lukeandpeteshow.com see Jim you've done exactly what Pete always makes me do and we've gone off on so many tangents we've only actually done one email but that's okay yeah. we'll do some more on Thursday I, uh, I'm certain that that will yield horror that call to arms you've just put out for boarding yeah. school stories. We, 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 well, it, well, listen, let you know a little story here. Once upon a time, ages ago, I don't know why we thought this would be a good idea. I think we wanted to find out where people were in the world. We told people to sign up to everything wherever they are at the helloandlukeandpeachshow.com email address. That was a mistake because <laughs> we still get, I'm just checking now, there's still 1,294 unread oh, emails God. from different random places. So anyway, please don't do that, but do email in with some of your stories at hello at lukeandpeach.com. You know how much we'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back on Thursday. This was Monday's episode, but we will be back on Thursday. Jim will be with me as well because Pete's not back till next week. Jim, fantastic debut. Thank you very much. How have you found it? I've enjoyed it a lot. Good. Nice, nice not talk about football. Yeah. It was boring mostly, isn't it? <laughs> it wasn't last weekend. Bloody yeah. hell, it was brilliant. And more of the same on Thursday we'll speak to you then
This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.